It's 5.30. I've got everything going. I believe we're recording and we are live. Dan, if you want to turn on your camera for us, you can hear me. You can't hear us. <laughs> Roger, you know if you uh, right, just click on any of the city hall images, right click on right click and then you can um hide non-video participants and that way we can see oh okay you just scroll down to that there you go oh there we go. just see who's on camera oh okay that's there's sam and was jackie on never heard from her never heard from her so we, i heard from andrea she wasn't going to be able to and then sam said he was going to be here virtual, and then uh, Amber texted and said she had another meeting that she was going to try to get on. Could I have responded if I was coming live? No, 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 you're fine. No, no. Okay. This is as long as you're coming. You're you're good. Okay. So, Sam, if you want to, can I bring him in? You can chat him. You can't. He has to turn on his okay. camera, but you can chat. He may not be at his. Yeah, that's right. Okay, why don't we go ahead and get started? Okay, I'd like to uh, call the meeting of the uh, Parks and Rec Advisory Board uh, to order Monday, July 10th. Um, Roger, you have some comments? Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we want to remind people on the Zoom meeting that the meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and cable channel 25. Please remember to mute yourself during the meeting when you're not speaking. And I don't think we have anybody on that's uh, from the community. But if they do get on, we will make sure that they're aware of that. Uh, the chat function for the public meeting is disabled. All chats will go directly to me. Unless you're participating in the meeting, please turn off your video. Uh, this allows for active member participants to be seen on screen. You'll also uh, be able to hear the meeting when you are participating in the meeting, please turn your video on. If you have any trouble, you can send me a chat. And again, I'll just request uh, Sam, if you're on, to turn your video on so you'll be part of the meeting throughout. Um, the city reserves the right to mute people or turn individual videos off to minimize distractions during the meeting. <clears throat> turn it back over to you, John. Okay, so um, our first order of business is to um, Approve the minutes from the June 12th, 2023 uh, meeting. Are there any comments about the minutes? Any concerns? We have a motion to approve. I'll make a motion. I move. Valerie will second. Been moved and seconded to approve the minutes. All in favor, say aye or raise your hand. Raise your hand. Okay, good. So that's passed. Uh, we don't have any public comment, I guess. We do not. We did not receive any um, written comments. Okay. There's nobody here in the room either. There's nobody so, transparent? No. <laughs> First time in a while. <laughs> okay, let's go to our agenda items. Uh, the uh, fireworks at Summerfest 2023. Uh, Bring us up to date on that, Porter. Sure. Um, Summerfest was a fun and successful event um, out at Douglas County Fairgrounds on July 3rd. 
Um, we didn't really know what to expect since we'd never done this before, but we had five bands playing music in the arena area we set up a stage. Um, people came and trickled in throughout the day. We had some 500 Whoa. people that showed up. The grass area and the fairgrounds was just packed with cars. And we know through social media that people also watched from a ring around, you know, in their neighborhoods and that type of thing. So lots of people there. Um, we had free state. Free State was there selling beer inside the fenced area. Um, our bands were very successful. We have to say thanks to Lawrence Music Alliance for their help in helping us coordinate that and put all that together. And Rick Averill was our fantastic MC for the night, top hat and all, and he was great. Um, and ultimately, it was just a really great event, and the fairgrounds worked out well. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So you can see in the top, that's filtered to the fireworks, not quite fireworks time, but we had people in all of the seating areas around the arena. The stage is down on the right there, down in the arena. Kids playing, sitting on the, the uh, concrete blocks down there, having a great time, people dancing. Um, and this actually increased steadily between, I'd say, 8.30 and 9.30. We had a ton of people show up just for the fireworks and the last band, which was really great. There's Rick Averill in all his glory. And uh, we also say thanks to our sponsors who are listed there on that banner. The Lead Center um, provided some funding. T-Mobile, Pretzels, our local pretzel group, obviously Free State. Lawrence Alliance Confluence, who's doing our comprehensive plan, gave us some funding for this as well. And of course, the JCs for the great fireworks show and Explore Lawrence. Some of the bands down below you can see. And if you go to the next slide. Oh, I didn't know there was more. Sorry. More. <laughs> Is that it? Um, I think that's it. So just showing some of the music and bands. You see some kids dancing down there. It was really delightful. So the only regrets are it was hot. <laughs> and it was, and the sun is really sharp there. So we're thinking about how we might be able to make adjustments so it's not quite as severe. But beyond that, it was really great. Mm -hmm. uh, Valerie, uh, what did the Humane Society conclude? I know they were trying to make the best of it. Yeah, thanks for reminding me too. So, yes, I was in communication with Shannon Wells, reading this out, talking to her, trying to figure out how's this going to work out. In many ways, she, you know, we didn't know exactly what was going to happen. The other thing is, is that that neighborhood is, is fairly active in the fireworks. Yeah. So they kind of have to prepare for things anyway. Um, so I think they were appreciative to know exactly when it was going to occur. So that's what we worked out with them was they were game. They had volunteers coming in. We actually donated a bunch of doggy treats oh, um, to try to keep everybody happy. I think they were playing music and had sounds there to try to console the dogs. I have a terrified dog, so I understand. And throughout the event, I was texting Shannon to give her updates as to what was going on. So she's very appreciative to know exactly when the fireworks started and exactly when they were over. Unfortunately, when we were cleaning up, there were a lot of big fireworks in the neighborhood. And that, I think that's what's frustrating when you don't know when it's going to happen. Um, I have not yet reconnected with her, but I plan to do that and touch base with her and make sure I understand any issues coming from today. So. So that worked out as well as could be expected, I think. And, and she was the life that she was very fun to yeah. work with. So we're sensitive to the situation. I think, and I talked to probably 20 people who were complaining. Once they understood the fire, I think a lot of people thought the fireworks were going to happen right across the street from the Humane Society. 
We were actually in a field over in um, Venture Park. Oh, okay. oh, so you're down. So down the hill and further back, still in a, it had an impact, but not nearly as close as I think a lot of people thought. So that helped concerns get ameliorated a little bit when I spoke to people. We live in one of those neighborhoods too, where it goes on, it starts in the weekend and goes on for five days. So I, I think a lot of people don't know that if I was your leader, or <laughs> <laughs> are aware and do it anyway. Yeah. Thanks very much for your being so conscientious about these things. I mean, you are about everything. It's a, very much appreciated. Yeah, good. Okay, should we move on to item number two? Prairie Park. Prairie Park update. Roger. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's go back to that screen here. There's Sam. <laughs> you conquered the yeah. technology. Sorry, sorry, Sam. I, I didn't read your note until just a minute ago, so we did see that you were updating. <laughs> yeah, it just wouldn't let me uh, put the camera on until I update the app again. It's so funny because I have a family Zoom that we do, and mine ended up doing that. I wasn't on live on live stream though, so we don't <laughs> have to deal with that. All right, Mark Hecker, Assistant Director of Parks and Rec. We have a group we've been working with on a management plan for Prairie Park. Ever since we had kind of that incident with spraying the prairie, um, we've worked with Kansas Biological Survey, Courtney Masterson. She has a what's her group name. Native lands restoration. And then we're working with K-State Extension and also the field biologists from Johnson County Parks and Rec. So we have a little team. We've met over there a couple of times, walked them through. And so this is what we're going to try to attempt to do just this year. So July through December. What we want to address, and I can kind of brief all those notes for you, but up in the top there, we're going to hire uh, Native lands restoration to develop a volunteer program. They're going to go out and cut sumac out of the prairie. So sumac's an invasive species that's really taken over the north end of that. So basically, it's going to be hand cutting and then treating the stump. So you actually use a little dauber to keep it from coming back. So they're going to take that on probably two or three work days where they'll bring volunteers in. It's going to be a huge, huge commitment on their part. So we're actually paying them to run that for us. And then the next one is the monitoring of the plant species. Kansas Biological Survey set up a monitoring system out there. So they're using their all their uh, staff from Kansas Biological Survey slash KU come out and actually look at the circles they've defined for monitoring, defining how many species are there, how many species were impacted, are species recovering. So, and then they're giving us reports. So we're also paying them for that. They initially set it up as a volunteer operation but we're going to continue their, their services to keep basically the information coming. So those are the two things happening in the prairie. Outside the prairie, our staff's going to get a little more involved. So you can see the nature center there in the middle. There's one spot directly north of the nature center that's been basically taken over by invasive species. So a lot of honeysuckle, a lot of dogwood, there's some cedar in there. So we're going to go in and clear that so that you have a view out from the nature center to the prairie. It used to be that way. And just over time, it's just been taken over. So that's one little thing. We're going to get the nature center staff to put some interpretive signage out there so that everybody kind of understands what they're looking at when they stand for nature center. And also, everybody knows it's a remnant prairie then. 
So that was part of the problem that we had some staff issues. That they didn't know that it was a remnant prairie. So if you look to the south of the nature center there, again, there's a couple of spots where we're going to try to clear up everything from the nature center out to the prairie. So those, it's all invasive stuff. And as we walk around with all the, the prairie experts, they're saying, yeah, you know, this stuff does nothing to help the prairie. It's basically encroaching into the prairie. So this is going to be probably a fall winter project that just trying to do those kind of orangish boxes down there. We have a problem south of Nature Center, the big wooden fence around the, the eagle cages that are falling down. So we're gonna have to get in there. So that little green strip there is what we want our forester to go in and give us a clear path. What it'll do is it's dual function so that that orange box above it will have a way to take some out and not go through the prairie. So in other words, if we go cut down a tree in there, we wanna have a way to get out and get it off the property. And the kind of the yellowish box down the middle, it's, it was actually cleared at one point. There's actually a concrete circle around it. We cleared it and we're going to um, resurrect the prairie in there. Honestly, from lack of management, that really just didn't work. So it's again, growing up with all kinds of invasive stuff. So we're gonna pull that down through this winter, get back to, down to the, the grasses that are naturally in there and try to open that up as kind of more of an interpretive thing to the prairie itself. So then clear over on the right, I'll know you kind of see it in yellow. We're, we've been working with the Native Lands Group to restore prairie back on that east side of the park. They've worked for, oh gosh, they started probably March, taking out some of the invasive species, some of the cedars, some of the just sapling trees. Then they reseeded, they introduced new plants. So we'll be monitoring that through this year and working with them to kind of, they do work days every, Few months to kind of keep working through that area so they got a grant for that one um the cool thing about the two things in green that are in the prairie we were actually able to work with Haskell university they had usda funding that they could put towards this project as a partner so we're partnering with Haskell to provide some funding so paying how do we pay native lands and how do we pay ants biological survey so so far that's we were able to get grant funding for that we're also looking at corporate sponsors that might be interested in tying into this. Derek's talked to a couple of folks that, that think they want to put money into the project. So as we continue with the Kansas Biological Survey, there'll be a continuing cost on that. After this fall, this winter, then we'll assess what came back next spring. Then we know if we have to put more plant materials in. So Native Lands has talked about, we can go out and collect seeds from other remnant prairies, bring them back. But until we actually know what damage was done, we may not need to pay for that and may come back by itself. So questions, it's a lot there, but. I'm, this is John Wozniak, advisor board. I'm kind of an outdoors guy. When you're removing stuff, do you have to actually dig out the roots? Is that what you do? Yeah, so invasive species, so like the brush honeysuckle. Yeah. If we just cut it off, it'll be back and more angry in a year. So <laughs> what we usually do, we'll cut it off and then we'll spot treat the stumps. Yeah. So okay. we gotta keep them from coming back up. Okay. And then we monitor it because sometimes that doesn't work and they still sprout up. So then if they sprout back up, we go back in and vegetatively treat just this yeah. instead of you know this. Okay. So it's it's not an easy process, but honestly, that whole east perimeter of the prairie is is just covered with invasive species. 
So that'll be something we look at next year, starting to push that eastern boundary back to where it used to be. And if you look at historical photos, you kind of see that the prairie is basically disappearing from invasion. So, you can reclaim seeds from that part. Uh, maybe. So we we were very encouraged by the first survey, by, by biological survey did, because there was still 270 plant species in the prairie, non-grass species. So in other words, what we sprayed didn't kill everything. That's good. So it's it's good that it's, the spray didn't take effect and the timing of the spray didn't impact a lot of species. There's some that we know that are pretty droopy and wondering if they'll come back. So we may have to go to a different prairie to pull those species back. But you know, they were impressed with the species variety after the they had done looked at what was sprayed, what the impact was, and what was still left. So by no means did we wipe out all the, the flowers and and species in that prairie. So that's good. Yeah. They're gonna Maryland Hall board members, they're gonna be any press release or um, communication to the public about everything you're doing? Yeah, I think what I wanted to do, so Courtney Masterson's gonna do that kind of that volunteer thing. As she organizes that, I think we'll probably do a little bit of a press release to say, hey, here's what we're doing and here's how you can help. Okay, good. So I think that that's probably our, our kickoff point. So the things we're doing now, so we're gonna do the little box on the North End of Nature Center probably this week, just so people can start seeing there's a little bit of effort, not in the prairie, but in the adjoining property of the prairie. So yeah, I, I, the, the sumac removal is gonna be big, because if you go over there, there's a lot of sumac just everywhere. And if you don't know a sumac, if, if you drive right past the Nature Center, right by the transformer, there's sumac that's probably eight foot tall, has a little head on the top of it. And then if you start looking at that leaf and go, okay, how many plants are there? There's thousands and thousands and thousands. And just thinking, thank you for that, Marilyn. You know, with, when we remove sumac, people are going to see that. So yeah. we probably should be ahead of that. Yeah, so we want to announce that yeah. work day and say, here's what we're doing and why. Yeah. I think that's a great idea, Marilyn. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, and, and if you could get input from Ken, Ken Lassman or me to, to talk about it. Yeah. So it's not just you talking about it. That would be even better. Yeah, and Ken's in our group too. I didn't mention him, but we have kind of a core group that we just said, hey, who wants to come? So we had a meeting over there with staff and, and if everyone be involved. So Ken's, Ken's been more of a little of a reporting mechanism more so than active participant. So the folks from K-State Extension too, they've been providing more educational materials and saying, okay, here's here's what the experts at K-State say to do. Match, match that with what KE Biological Survey is doing, what Courtney does hands-on, is to kind of get a consensus that this, this is the way we should go. So. Val Renault, board member. Um, kind of two, two parts. So it sounds like the volunteer work will maybe go on through into the winter even. I think, well, the first, so the, the first phase that we're paying for is the sumac removal. So she was anticipating doing that summer fall. So we want to catch it while it's kind of up and active because you have a better chance of dominant herbicide on there and killing it. So I think that's probably August. She again getting people to 
volunteer when it's 100 degrees. Right. And that's for maybe 80 degrees. Yeah. Second part of my question was, does that... Or is it somebody that can dovetail with, we talked about, like, a, there was interest from the people who lived in the area and having a, a group, you know, that, um, so I don't know. I mean, certainly they could volunteer, but I didn't know if we were still doing any activities talking to those people or if they have a representative. Um, I Honestly, Courtney is so tied into the volunteerism that I really want to use her expertise to say, okay, Here's what we want to do and who's available to help. But yeah, touching the neighborhoods. And, and like Roger said, we can do a press release and say, hey, we're having a work day. If you're interested, let us know. So we know how many people are going to show up. But now I, this is a, we can use a lot. Yeah, because I just thought they seemed really motivated. Yeah. So yeah. Thank you. Okay, ready to move. Oh, on. I had a question. Jackie Becker. Uh, yeah, so I wanted to know you mentioned all the grants and Haskell. Uh, so moving into next year, as you said, you start looking into as stuff comes up to see what's been lost. Is there, will we be writing more grants? Is there the possibility of grants? Is Haskell going to remain involved next year? And, and obviously, we have to pay people to do some of these projects. So do you, you know, obviously, we have to fix what's going on. How do then we create? The flourishing redevelopment maintenance as right. we forward. So, yeah, Mark Becker. So yes, uh, working with Haskell, they identified potential funding. So what they looked at is budget years. So they wanted to know what we needed through August. Mm -hmm. So we gave them that. But we also gave them what we perceive as a five-year plan. And again, we don't really know where we're going yet. But they seemed interested in providing funding for multiple years. So I, I think that has potential. You know, a little bit of it is what are we going to need? If we're going to need seed collection, that's a big volunteer effort again. Um, you know, if we're going to ask these volunteer groups with removing invasive species, huge volunteer dollar that it takes to coordinate all that. So again, we're not really paying for the staff, we're paying for the coordination efforts and the expertise that go on. And that, don't cut, don't cut that and that, because these two are fine. So I think... Haskell seemed to be really interested in ongoing work with us and even putting their students out at our nature center, working on educational opportunities, all kinds of uh, interesting collaboration, I guess. So that's that would be great if we can pull that off. So. Okay, let's, um, let's move on to the comprehensive uh, plan update. Me again. Um, so we have our steering committee set up. We're going to provide a press release later this week, so that'll be public information. Um, Confluence, our consultant team, is going to provide a presentation to the city commission next Tuesday. It's the city commission meeting and study session. So we're working with them. They're performing a presentation where they're going to cover basically the, the the high, you know, the the twenty thousand foot view of what they're going to do in their timeline and that type of thing. Um, and so they're going to have that information. And you all got an email today. Thank you for asking. And then thank you for the brilliant idea of not sending this to everybody. So we did. Um, so you all have that information. We have a web page set up. Uh, has all the background information and also a link so you can sign up for email notifications going forward. And then we'll be off. So the actual consultation hasn't started yet, right? Not yet. So they're going to be, help me, so they're going to be here April, or August 2nd and 3rd. 
and they will start looking at stakeholder groups at that point. So you, so the, the steering committee will certainly be communicated with for that. So yeah, we, I've been on them because I didn't realize they hadn't been talking to the yeah, steering no. committees. Um, so we'll get that rolling, and they'll start with that, and then start working with those other focus groups in the community. And then there will be a lot of community engagement as part of this effort as well. Okay. Um, Jackie Becker, can you explain more about the focus groups and how do people who weren't selected to the top 14 that got picked actually get involved or do they have to get involved through their organizations? No, anybody, this is going to be very open and that's part of the intention of the, um, the notification list and also the, the web page. So anybody interested, we certainly want to hear from as many people as possible and especially anybody that has you know, something they really want to share. So there will be community engagements with focus groups, but they're also going to be general community engagements, both for Parks and Rec, as I understand it, and also the arts and culture side. And public will be welcome to those um, events to gather, you know, to share their insights so that we can gather that information as well. Yeah. So I'm asking about, because you said stakeholders versus public engagement. So is there a separation between the stakeholders, the group of the 14, and then public engagement? Let me change my vocabulary. Okay. <laughs> um, so stakeholders, one term, we're actually going to use focus groups. Okay. So there are key entities like Parks and Rec. So I'm not explaining this well. No, you're not. Um, I'm confused. <laughs> Parks and Rec Board would certainly be a focus group. And that doesn't mean, though, that you can't attend other community engagement meetings. So, so then the Art Commission would be another focus group. Art, the Art Center would be another focus group. You know, anybody representing those kind of primary areas we've talked about, we haven't gotten a list together yet. We're actually putting yeah. that. Roger has been helping me from past, and then we have information from various groups to put together a good focus group. Um, and, and typically, what we've done, Jackie, is there'll be leadership, so the advisory board will be able to attend focus groups. Now, I don't know how they're going to set this up. They could take the whole group together, or you could basically pick from a list of meetings, and then it's a smorgasbord of people. So you would have somebody from the swim area, um, the arts, the also the board, other city leaders, um, other even not necessarily our department staff, because I think they may be pulled out separate, but there may be leadership within the city that may be a part of one of the meetings that you may be in. Um, so, you know, it, those will be the focus groups. So we, we look at all the different areas we're compiling the list of like the Kaaba and the, all the, the kickball, the Cal Valley kickball will be a part of it. Every, everybody that's associated with parks and recreation. And then that becomes a challenge is getting all those people lined up for meetings. And so that's where the input comes in and then the public meetings as well. And I think we're also gonna have some social media uh, aspects to it as well as I remember from the, from the presentation they gave. So there may be some other opportunities there as well to get into. Um, so, uh, you know, I think that the more input and more community comes together, the better the plan will be in the end. But, I, you know, just be, and I would say the 14 people, and, and Marilyn, you can speak to that being on the board um, after the fact, but you, you were part of that, that team, right? I no, I just complained about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I was thinking there was something. I thought you were on that the original one. My bad. <laughs> 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 yeah, the original one. I think we'll try. I mean, the focus groups will really help 
to kind of steer, get them on footing in terms of all the different players within parks and recreation in the community and the arts and culture area. Now that we have that embedded in as well. And then to me, the, the public meetings is when they usually roll out kind of the thinking that they have from, from all the meetings they've kind of brought up. And then they'll have those public meetings to kind of say, okay, here's what we learned. And then it's more discussion from there. And then that committee will help keep them on track, you know, for well, the now that Now that the city has an engagement um, position, right? I think all these things are really um, planned out pretty well. Uh, some on that, uh, that the group that's looking at the boards and commissions, and she's really been very helpful in terms of the engagement engagement process. Yeah, and about is the yeah. engagement yeah. manager. Yes. She's developed systems within the city to make sure that we reach out, especially to populations that often are not heard from as You well. finally mentioned what I was so, trying to get to was how are we going to be making sure reaching everybody in this community? Because I, I just... Yeah. I think, right. you know, I appreciate bringing well, the things that I'm involved in, but I right. think it's way well, beyond me. And it's- I wasn't bringing it on. <laughs> you just yeah. looked, I was like, yeah, okay, kick You know, I just- The other piece is, I see us tabling okay. at like yeah. East Lawrence Center and Perfect. The, at that's, centers and the places that people yeah. are coming. So, okay, that's, yeah, I just want to make sure where, if you wander yeah. in and you check in and, you know, to use the rec centers, or are you going to know that there could be an opportunity for you to speak up? And you might just be one person who just comes and does one thing at, at one of our right. spaces, but their voice is just as important as well, any of ours. Up and I think of the, and so, the kids, too. Yeah, I mean, especially yeah. Florence, because there are kids that use that facility every day after school. Perfect. And so I think that's important that they have a voice in all of this. Well, let me just reiterate, too, or not reiterate, but also we were very conscientious about that with the steering committee and the application. So we made sure that steering committee really represented a, a, a range of diversity from age and ethnic background, racial background, LGBTQ, all those things. So I think we covered pretty much, you know, with 13 people, you can only get so many. We really wanted to hit that mark. And, and I say this to the Art Commission too, part of your task is to make sure that we get, because oftentimes we can send out information, but if somebody doesn't get an invitation from a representative of their own group, they're less inclined to want to come. So that's another thing is to make sure you, if you're working with any group to reach out to them and say, you are invited, you know, that really helps. So, so thanks. Thank you. And I want to bring up one other thing too, is that um, because the health department is not a city, uh, department uh, and really the only connection the city has is through funding but we all know the relationship between public health and parks and rec is <laughs> pretty tight and so I'm on the steering committee and I'm going to do what I can to try to get the health department involved in this whole in this whole thing they have all kinds of data about the health conditions of people in various parts of the city. So we need, I think all that will be very important. Okay, that's great. Thanks, John. Yeah. Oh, okay. I guess I'm the chair. <laughs> okay, let's see. Well, um, board member concerns? I have a couple of questions, John. I just have one, to be honest with you. Um, I got some, and I, and I don't know who, but 
I've had people, you know, this is budget time, and things came out last Friday, and a lot of people questioned and asked me questions that I couldn't answer. So I just took them down, and I want to ask, I don't want this to take long. But you, you figured out, if I've been here long enough, I'm a bottom line budget guy, bottom line, just because I come from the educational world. And I think this kind of comes back, Eric, and you may not have answers, but here's some things, and I want to do, and I had a lot of questions about the golf course comment that was made by the city manager of reducing funding. Lots of people called me. I went out today to the golf course and talked to the pros that handled all that stuff. And I got some numbers here that I want this committee, I want the people that are watching, and I hope the city commission and the city managers listen because I don't know what they're going to do or how much they're looking at cutting, but we're not talking to numbers, and I've seen numbers now for over five and a half years on these, just being on the budget. So I've seen a, a budget grow, meet it, go over it. And I'm looking at this golf course. This thing is an asset, not a liability, just because of the amount of money that comes in and the amount of people that use it. So I asked some people, you know, if that golf course is losing money, I think I would see that if they want to take something away. But they're going to make 1.5 to 1.7 million this year. I know four years ago the budget was 900, 800 to 900,000. Now that's up. Um, they're going to set records on total number of rounds, driving range. 50 to 70,000 people come to Lawrence to play in that place. 50 to 70,000. That's a lot of people that pay money. And I'm just thinking the number one thing I learned, and I'm not a business guy. You know that, you can tell that. But if something's an asset, why would you take something away from it? Not grow with it. And, and golf is up 13%, range is up 100%, and the prices were raised. And I was one that kind of bellyached a year ago. I'm gonna tell you, it's been a fitness, it's huge. And so when I start looking at this, you've got male, female, kids, all ethnics, all cultures come out and use it. I talked to them. Something that concerned me when we go back, and I, I'm glad you mentioned something. I read something about a survey of 200 people. Now, I've not had anybody ask me about the survey. I've never seen a survey. But if they're going to make a decision based upon a survey of 200 people, that's 0.002% of our Lawrence population. And I hope thought process comes before deducting any money or taking money out, maybe adding help. And I'm watching this just, and, and they handle their own concessions. And you know, I really ached about that. But they're going to make 50 to 70,000 on concessions. And I know we just signed a three year contract with Sandborn. I wonder what they'd make of SPL if they did their own. I don't know, just, just some things, but I know as a business plan, when something's an asset, you try to grow it instead of taking something away. And I want to stand up for the golf course because I'm that group of people, like we all have different interests. That's who usually calls me. If it's baseball, softball, what have you. But I really wanted some facts today to go public. What are your thoughts, Derek, of the future? And I know you're gone in December, but they got to make some decisions for next year. What are your, what is your long-term thought of this? First of all, with the city managers, um, proposed budget going to the city commission tomorrow night. 
I would say it would be inappropriate for me to make some comments this evening about the budget, listen to the proposal tomorrow. And you probably read the memo and the budget on the city commission agenda, possibly. Tell me, tell me. It's posted online. Yeah, but I've read a lot. Okay, did you read the uh, city manager's memo on the budget? Focused on? Budget presentation. Um, Which covers a lot of things. It basically it ties it to the PBB, the priority-based budgeting, some other things. Um, and what tier things are and service levels. I think after tomorrow, I'm more open and we, you gave me all your questions. Uh, okay. I can talk about it. I, I think it's premature okay. to comment on his budget before he presents it to the city commission tomorrow. Okay. So I know I've been here and listened a lot for five and a half years. Yeah. I've never heard a negative thing or anybody even talk about Eagle Band. And now that I hear read this in the paper last Friday, well, we're thinking about taking money away. We got them. I would you know, I was caught off guard with it. I what I say. What I will say, you're pulling me into this, but I will don't say. Don't get in hot water. No. Don't but, I mean, they there. can't fire you. <laughs> but what I will say is we looked at service levels, and I think that the uh, adjustments uh, may or may not even be seen in the level of service. So if you're a golfer, you may not notice that. It may not be uh, apparent. It may be on how well we use water. Are we being more effective? Are we improving uh, the irrigation systems? So I don't want to get too much into the after model. So don't think that we're getting the golf course or anything tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. So that, that is not it. Um, but it is a priority-based budget. And it's looking at what... Uh, the city manager's proposing and doing, and that's in his memo, um, trying to move things from, uh, based on the strategic plan, focus on certain things that are uh, perceived as a, or, or a higher priority, and how do we adjust? And I understand the strategic plan piece, I really do, but I hope city council and the city manager pull in the people that run the place out there and get numbers and facts before they just chill out. That's just what I want to bring out, but I want to go get my facts. So that's what they, yeah. So, and I understand the strategic plan piece totally. Okay, thank you. Okay, Jackie Becker. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to uh, our Juneteenth celebration obviously was in South Park a number of weeks ago, and I just want to thank Parks and Rec uh, from myself personally of just really what an excellent job Parks and Rec did uh, to help the event happen. We did almost three thousand throughout the whole day and uh, it was just a really fantastic event so thank you for allowing us to put a giant stage in one day in the street in a park and have a fantastic celebration for Juneteenth. So it all went really well. Any other comments from the board? Okay then let's move to these updates, uh, the B-Box update. Uh, Mark Ecker, Assistant Director, there's a report attached to the agenda basically delineates the properties that we posted BBOXs on. So that's a continuing growth item, so which is great. And it seems to be well received in the public. So, well, and you had asked where they were. So I asked Dr. Brooks to provide me the list. And so he did. The other question was about the contract or the agreement that runs through the 2027 20, uh, year. So it's one of those long term contracts that we have with him. So 
Um, the other thing, he did email the, the email the city account saying that he wanted to provide an update. I sent him back an email and said, are you wanting to talk to the board? So he may want to provide that next month. I'm not sure. I'm still waiting for the reply from him. So, um, and I think it also detailed that he had almost every square foot of the city covered by these uh, arts and everything in the space that he was putting in the boxes. So. And I don't know how many fees he's getting in all these things. I'm sure he probably has a number that he'll provide. Do they get honey? Do they make? Do they? Oh yeah. Them? Do they also those? I don't. I don't know what he does with them. Seven dollars. You know what he? So honey sticks at the concession <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> Maryland was the best comics tonight. <laughs> um, is there any sign? Uh, I see the list of the parks. Is there any signage at all about the bee boxes, or are we just sort of They're there. telling the well, well, we don't have okay. Yeah, because yeah, he's just installed it. I guess we don't need to request ourselves. Yeah. Um, and some other ideas that he had, but I don't think we've had time. To we don't want people to get freaked out either. Right. And we don't. Yeah. I remember the first time people saw the e-boxes and were freaking out. Yeah. what I thought they would say. Yeah. So. so they're in these parks. It's a lot. I'm sorry. There's a lot of them. Yeah, it's a lot of them. It's great. You make a game out of that so you can actually find them all. Well, kind of. Yeah, talked about that. I was going to say, being yeah. an LPR person, every time this magazine comes, I think we got a story for them. You yeah. know, this this could be a good story. Oh, really? I agree. And I'm not worried about making honey sticks. <laughs> but I think that's a cool idea. And I just yeah, an example of collaboration with the university or just kind yeah, of use those. more coming. Okay, recreation update. All right. Lindsay Hart, Assistant Director. Um, again, most of the information is in the recreation report. Got an echo. Okay, I don't know. We'll try it. All right, I don't hear it anymore. Um, one thing I did want to point out, uh, something that uh, John and I spoke about a couple of weeks ago, but just how busy it's been at uh, SPL with all the tournaments. And so we had the Bill Self camps. Uh, throughout June, and that place was hopping. Now, it's really fun to see. If you were out there, you know what I'm talking about. It's, it's loud, and it's busy, and it's fun. So we we have had some great success there, and a lot of tournaments going on this summer. So that's always fun to see. Um, just a quick update on sponsorships. We continue our monthly meeting uh, with the staff task force to work on sponsorships and um, working on some uh, brochures that we're going to get updated with kind of with our new look and feel with the new logo and um, continuing to get our opportunities out there for signage and banners and things like that at the different fields and facilities. So we keep just slowly building and, and working on that each month. Um, so hopefully we'll have some, some new opportunities coming out soon. Um, and then revenues, um, I know, John, you just mentioned the, the golf course. So uh, just in general, um, our department revenue uh, through the month of June was 2.7 million. That's up, um, it was 1.8 million a year ago at this time. So we're, we're doing great. Um, numbers are looking really good, revenues are doing good. Just a quick question, is that due to the price increase or 
more kids involved, et cetera? I think it's a combination of both. Okay. So I think we're definitely seeing the participation numbers are going up. And uh, and I know Roger usually tracks that pretty good. And I know the last few months we have seen the beginning of each month, numbers are definitely higher. Um, so that in conjunction with price increases is, is definitely showing this increase. So we feel really good about where we're at. We're really on track to hopefully hit uh, kind of our updated uh, goal for 23 that we set earlier this year. So fall enrollment August August 1st. Yes, fall enrollment will take place August 1st. It is election day, but mm -hmm. hopefully people can make arrangements mm -hmm. and and still get their. Uh, so that'll be the last kick. How do you get? How do you get that? Excuse me, John Wozniak Advisory Board. How do you get that information out to all? I, I love your comments about everybody. I know you have addresses and emails to past participants. How do you get that to, at, out to everybody? Right. Well, I mean, we, we do social media. That's okay. the big piece. Yeah. Uh, we do news releases, although we're kind of changing the format there. Our website has the newsletter that we do a monthly newsletter to all the access card. Now, again, yes, the people with the access cards do re receive it. And they get told what programs are going on um, every month um, that are upcoming. And, you know, in terms of, you know, we, we look for, uh, we try to get in the schools for years and they've kind of kicked us out, but uh, uh, we've tried to send stuff home with the kids. Uh, but in terms of programming, a lot of them are, it's word of mouth. And then also the social media, we have bought ads in the paper. We haven't done as much of that in recent years. Uh, we have the radio that we've gone on. We've had the radio show for several years and they're talking about bringing that back. Um, so we're working with the city because we are looking at our new voice as a city more so than just parts of recreation. So we'll have a piece to that going forward as well for the radio. And I go into the schools because that's my business. Yeah. It, I'm going to be very careful to ask this. It's a simple email to the ER director and go out to elementary kids because right now we need kids involved to do things not yes true. and we do i mean julie boyle and i have had a conversation many many times and we used to be able to you know have our flyers go home with them and they basically said no more paper coming in yeah, so they do have something they send out to the to the teachers that we do get on you know letting them know events and things so once the school starts we'll, we'll be a part of that again so yeah, we yeah, school is very important, yeah. but it's hard to get in there, and you know because the kid sees it, but it's really the parent that needs to be yeah. in the store. Well, they were just getting in, and they didn't. Right. Oh, I totally understand. Yeah, and we actually were trying to put together. Uh, I was putting together an article that combined all of our stuff and even people from the outside too, because we had a community page that we could use. And then that was going to the school. We even had volunteers that would hand them out. I had it all set up and they just said, no, we're not dressed. And, and that's true, the paper, oh, yeah, cut trees, but we have not social, we have electronic. Right. And it's a matter of touch. Well, that's where once we get an email, we can do a lot with an email um, once we have it. And there are 30,000 uh, households in our database. So we've got a lot of households in it. So. We just need to make sure it's updated and getting the emails correct. So we do get some people that use the example.com, which is a fake email address. The are pretty good at telling us when, <laughs> when to register to. That's good. Okay, um, arts and culture. 
Um, we started talking about this before everybody arrived, but everybody has one of these. Um, so Friday, um, June 30th, final Friday, I led a sculpture walk, which I love doing and have done now since 2015. I'm always so impressed by the hearty group of people that show up on my 98 <laughs> say, I want to go for a walk downtown, but about 30, 35 people showed up. We had a great time, walked um, the whole thing. Uh, many artists were present to talk about their artworks. And John actually turned me on to an idea that we've been doing, um, which is if you look on the back, on the bottom, we have an app. So you can download this AutoCast app, O-T-O-C-A-S-T, for free. And if you have that app, you can look at all of our sculptures, including some of the leftover ones that we spoke about earlier. Um, but also, if you happen to find yourself in New York City or San Francisco or Phoenix or any number of other cities, you can also use that app if you want to go do tours. What's great is the guy that does this, I've known him for years and seen him grow this, um, includes audio with each work. So like a museum tour, you can actually, in most cases, you can actually hear that artist talk about their artwork in addition to seeing the picture. And that way, too, we can be more equitable and people that may not be able to physically get out and for these artworks can actually see them online as well. So it's been a lot of fun, and I'm glad that we, we shut this down during COVID since the first year we are going to do it. My garden was on the Master Gardens this year, and so I, former student of mine and me, we put together a um, tour and it's at johnsgarden.info. <laughs> it's great to see how these can be used for different purposes. Yeah, yeah. johnsgarden.info. It's cool. Well, Porter, that's that's great. Uh, that sounds good. Do you you know what? Um, we do this tour. Why don't you do the tour more often? Um, that's something that keeps coming up, and actually, I'd love to do it in cooler weather. And yes, <laughs> right. So, and every year I kind of plan for it, and then pandemics and things like yeah. that happen. But no, I plan to do that. And okay. you know, honestly, if there was any group that said, "Hey, we really like to do a tour," I'd certainly make make uh, arrangements to do that with someone because oh. we now have a good map. It took us ninety minutes to do the whole tour. We could certainly modify that as well. So, um, and also just a reminder: the Cultural Arts Commission meeting. This Wednesday night, they're meeting on the second Wednesday of the month at 7 30. Everybody's interested in that. I wonder if, uh, wonder if Van Gogh would be interested in the tour. Yeah. I'd, I'd love, love to do that. that. I'd love to do that. Yeah. yeah. That'd be great. And yeah, I have a lot of information and background yeah. about what these people did. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Mark's update. Uh, Mark Ecker, Assistant Director. I'll just give you some updates on some of our projects. Some of you may have seen around the community. Uh, Lions Park, the splash pad over there is basically done. We're waiting on one piece of equipment that was on site that is no longer on site, if you get what I'm saying. Ooh. So the coordination system got removed. So we're waiting on that to be the contractor to get that back in stock and get it installed. Once that's in, we're probably going to do an opening of that and and hold off on the playground so we didn't want to open this tariff and right in front of it to put a new playground in so i think we'll probably run the splash pad through maybe september then come back in and put the playground in so we'll phase that in a little bit but we already have the playground outside ready to install we just have to get the installers out of there so that's fun and exciting east Lawrence center if you haven't been by there they have a brand new parking lot 
So we resurfaced that last week, so that looks really good. That Prairie Park parking lot, so this is the east side of Prairie Park. We're also going to be resurfacing that whole lot. So you can see they've done some of the concrete work, but they haven't finished the rest of it. That's probably next week or two. So those are not exciting stuff, but necessary stuff. Uh, on the parking lot theme, Eagle Bend, we finally got striped. So we did that project last year in the parking lot. We just got the striping done just recently, so that's big. Out at Eagle Bend also, we're working on a, kind of a tree removal project. Just touring around the course, you'll see eight, nine, ten dead trees that are kind of in significant spots that kind of impact the look of the golf course. So working with forestry and the golf maintenance staff, so we're trying to get those scheduled to get them out of there. And that's just a little bit of a personal pet peeve of mine that just looks like we don't care if we leave the dead trees standing there. So Martin, that's important. Martin John from the advisory board. And is that different than, I can't remember his name, the, the, the trees they, re, they remove so you get air? You know, that's a different thing, isn't it? Right. So um, like behind number nine green this last winter, we did a, quite a bit of clearing in there to get yes. air circulation into that green. But we also had probably 30 dead trees in there. So every winter we kind of target areas where we want to circulate air better, especially to the greens. So there's probably three holes where the greens are kind of ducked in this wooded area that makes it really hard to grow grass when it's 100 degrees. It just sits there and bakes. So yeah, this is different. So a little bit of this is emerald ash borer is getting some of the ash trees around the native areas. And then some of it's just um, like behind number 18 green, there's a huge dead tree that's just, you know, <laughs> it, it's one of our picturesque holes, kind of signature holes, but then it's dead tree. So forestry and, and golf maintenance have been working together. They'll get some of that out. I also want to work with them this winter on some of the um, fairways. If you're on fairway, you should be able to see the green. There's some of the areas where the trees have actually encroached over the fairway. So we need to pull those back, you know, big hedge clipper idea. But, um, so that's an ongoing project. Another fun new project that we're working on they're working on driving range tees. So what John mentioned earlier is our use of the driving range has just gone through the roof. And a little bit of that is all the high schools and college teams that are practicing out there. So if you can imagine you put, you know, six, seven, eight teams out there all practicing wedge shots. They take a chunk of turf every time they take a shot. So what we want to do is try to uh, put in some, some artificial turf tees on the back of the tee. So that when we're trying to resurrect the grass, we can say, okay, you can be out, but you got to be on mats. So that'll be something we've never done out there. But a lot of the higher use driving ranges in Kansas City have that as the option. So you don't even have to close the range because the T's bad. So we have other problems on north driving range. It has a drainage problem. So we submitted that as a CIP project, did not get funded. So we need to kind of still work on what we do besides that CIP project. And then we're working on a potentially putting a south driving range in. So we used to have a driving range down where the park barn is currently built. And we took it out and we built the park barn. But because of the use, we want to be able to have the ability to say, okay, we can close the north driving range, but you can still play south. So we're finding a lot of people are really interested in practicing golf, maybe more so than, than actually playing. So if you got an hour or two, you can go out and hit balls and don't have to commit five hours to it. So this is kind of getting with public trends on recreation that I don't have all day to play golf. 
myself that I do like to hit bumps or I like to go out and cut or chip. So I think that's something that we'll just keep pushing forward. This is really out there. My son was coaching at North Dakota State, so we were in Fargo. It was November, December. It's not warm up there. <laughs> they leveled off the ground and turfed it. So they, they, they got the turf and they put some heaters. They can hit all year long. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. And that's that's the next step. <laughs> so you put the rate on it. Yeah. Really? Actually, we have that there's pretty high electrical demand. Mm -hmm. So then you can't do it when there's snow on the ground, obviously. So you've got to be able to pick the balls once you hit them. So our north range has that water retention problem. So it's, uh, yes, that would be the long. So you put lights up and you can hit into the evening and all kinds of you spend a lot of money out there. You know, the um, story behind Eagle Bend is a fascinating story. I won't tell you the whole thing. But um, I will tell you that um, we had, a, we, we chose an architect from out of Dallas. And we had, we had, um, we were looking for, we were looking for an architect who could design the course that was uh, affordable, accessible to the average golfer. And so we interviewed a couple of, uh, you know, a couple of architects and they wanted to do something that would compete with Albemarle and Lawrence Country Club. <laughs> we're not, we're not, you know. So we picked this third, this third guy out of, um, out of Dallas. And uh, of course he designed the course and so on and so forth. Um, some years later, I was up in um, Minnesota, the Iron Range. Any of you know the Iron Range in Minnesota? And it's these canyons, you know, and they've got a, a golf course, um, set of golf courses along the Iron Range. And I played one time, and it was just the most beautiful course. And so I said, I wonder who the architect is on this. And I looked, and it was our architect. Wow. Oh, now I get it. Yeah. And you know, something I didn't mention was, and you, I think you're a golfer, aren't you? What was it? Today's Monday. Was it like last Wednesday? They had a college, it was college girls age, PGA, yeah. free PGA, PGA tournament? Yeah. Is that what it was? Yeah, I don't remember, but they, I remember that big tournament. Yeah. And college, college girls, must have been high school to college. 16 to 23, maybe, from all of the country in there. Good. And a couple other things real quick. The borough splash pads, so we're learning what it means to own a splash pad. Mm -hmm. So as the summer goes, we have two spray features that are down. One of them has a broken pipe underneath the concrete, so we tell the season's over for that. The other one, the solenoid that turns it on and off, burn out. So we actually had to, we're waiting on a replacement part. But... As we own it, we're starting to figure out we probably better stock replacement parks because these things turn on and off just continually. So we're we're learning a little bit on that one. Then I think the lines one will be easier to maintain, honestly. And then some couple other things we're working on uh, summer shutdowns for the indoor aquatic center and the sports pavilion. So both of them will happen in August. And there's things that we're working on sports pavilion. We're going to resurface gym floors. In that resurfacing, the pickleball group has requested that we look at making higher contrast color on the lines. So when we put the line color in, we picked a color that's pretty close to the floor color, honestly, because we weren't sure pickleball was a big thing. 
They convinced us to be a They're looking for more contrast. So we're trying to really figure out what that is because we don't want to interfere with volleyball and basketball that are the two big money makers in there that we so we're looking at do we just darken up the brown a little bit do we go to a green do we but we look at the lines and how they're configured because we have volleyball this way we have basketball this way we have basketball this way and then we have pickleball laid in across the top of them so it's quite a little uh interesting problem that we have to decide before we put the floor surface down and once we decide we better be right because it's going to be covered up with urethane so that's kind of a if anybody wants to play that game with us she can come out and play college have they asked you about any winter tournaments they are continually trying to do more and more and more so i think working with lindsay we're going to look at maybe striping courts at holcomb and community building we already have them in east lawrence center so maybe instead of expanding on sports pavilion where we interfere with tournament play and we might try to get to those neighborhood record centers and try to get more courts on those courts yeah so it's it's interesting and you know we did the pickleball on the outside of the spls we put eight four 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 pickleball courts on the outside new tennis courts temporary nets yeah we put portable nets in which is we have never done before but they're very sturdy but they can be rolled on and off the tennis courts then we strike the, the courts on each side of the tennis court could still be used for tennis, but then it can be pickleball also. So, well, it's a splash pad. Um, hey, East Lawrence, is there any chance of getting some shade? Yes, thank you. <laughs> yes, yeah, no, we have that on our project. Okay. We just haven't gotten that. It's, it's, uh, yeah, will it be on the structure or added to the structure? No, we'll probably go on kind of the west side because we've noticed the kind of from one o'clock on is when it's really the hottest over there. So if we can do west side and kind of face it to shade across the tent. Yeah, and you know, people talk about we need to shade the playground too. And you know, it's, yeah. it's we can spend a lot of money over there. But not more trees because you don't want the leaves in the water. Trees are actually okay. Yeah. Lions is gonna be interesting because you got trees all around it. So it'll actually have built-in shade. Yeah, that one over there gets pretty tasty. Uh, Jackie Becker, I do have a quick question about lions. Mm -hmm. Will there be, because the parking lot's pretty rough over there on the the softball, baseball side. The north side. The north side. Is that part of any of the project with the all the other updates being done there? Or is that it is, weighted up? It is not. Okay. So in the um, CIP, the um, shelter is back in. So it was in and out and in. Now it's back in. So we're going to try to replace the shelter there. They'll be right next to slash pad playground shelters. The north parking lot needs to be resurfaced. I agree. So we basically get two hundred thousand dollars a year for parking lot resurfacing. So this year was East Lawrence Center and Prairie Park. So we just kind of do with what's the worst ones this year. So Eagle Bend was last year. So yeah, Lions will be on the list. It's on there. Okay. Sometimes I don't know if it'll make number one. Yeah, that's oh, as long as it's on the list somewhere. I think that's yeah. a good thing. So it's I mean, Lions is getting so much care right now and cool things. I think you know, just that'll be something coming to the top that people might comment on. It's gonna be as cool. it gets more crowded. Yeah, that, activating that park is kind of cool because yeah. Pickleball did it once. Now we put splash pad and playground in. It's gonna yeah. parking is gonna start to become a premium on that south end, so people are gonna have to walk from north. So mm -hmm. it's kind of gonna be interesting to activate it. Okay, how about the director's report? Okay. Uh, real quick, 
I was going to ask Mark. See, probably got better update on Broken Arrow Shelter. Mm -hmm. If you do that, then I'll. Yes, that's a whole project. Yeah, so over Broken Arrow uh, Park, we're enclosing the, the big shelter. So we're going to go in and put glass, put, uh, oh. glass uh, garage doors. So the eventual build is we want to go in, put a restroom in the corner inside, heat and air conditioning. So the budget allowed us to only get the glass up in the structure. We report the whole pad. So if you've been over there, the whole new concrete's done, the sidewalks around it are done. And we should be seeing structural steel going up to put the garage doors in this week. And we'll put new lights, new fans. And I'm hoping this winter we may be able to follow in and maybe do the restroom inside with our own staff. So it's going to be a really cool project when we're done with it. Um, something we don't have, so it's the larger enclosed shelter that's year-round use. So that we don't have that in our inventory anywhere. It's going to be cool. And the community garden, there's an ADA. There is. We worked with the Douglas County folks on creating a, a ADA community garden. So it's over kind of in Broken Arrow, over towards the fire station over there. So if you get over there, you'll see raised boxes, and then we put in an ADA parking stall and a sidewalk that goes over to it. So it's kind of a nice little addition. Nice. Okay. Um, we've been working on a Santa Fe Depot uh, fountain for two years now. And it's been one of the things yeah. I've been really kind of, let's make this really cool. And this built in 21. Um, so they have actually got to run it. Really cool. I ran for about seven hours before somebody vandalized it. So we're down to parts. After so we worked with the neighborhood and everybody else, and it was like, this is really cool and something that East Lawrence and Brook Creek both wanted and I wanted and kind of historical. We saved the original window sills from the 1880 depot that was plowed. So we have those. So that is one of the items that my goal is to get done before I leave is to get benches somewhere around that uh, fountain area. And so those will be indestructible. There's no way you can vandalize those benches. But that will you use those sills for the benches? Yes. And so one of the rock workers that uh, Crystal Miles worked with for ages um, came through and he did the rock work at Constant Park and he brought some stuff by. So it's just a matter of getting him connected and we've got those stones stored out of Venture Park or farmland. So. We'll get that moving. Um, probably read the story on uh, Oakland Park in the newspaper, uh, Dirk Webb. Um, maybe a little premature. We work with lots of people. We know sponsorship and donations. And the great example is collaboration with uh, the skate group. They raised funds within three months and donated an object. And so I think those boards that Dirk's working with probably meet later this fall, so we'll get some concrete ideas of what they could do. Um, I did want to correct a few things on numbers um, that were inaccurate in the story. Um, so we support a lot of kids, and Lindsay might be able to help out with the number of teams between Tecaba Ball. I think you talked directly to us compared to Topeka, but our Tecaba Ball, I would say we had over 1,200 kids involved in that. I can't remember. Yeah, I know total. I, I just, again, the story mentioned that I think we only had four 10 and under teams, but Topeka had 10 or more. But um, just this summer, we have 16 10 and under teams. And so, again, it was, it was a little misleading. Just I think some of the numbers were were not accurate. So um, we just kind of wanted to 
Yeah. At least, uh, yeah. you know, set the record straight just to know that. And I think they were comparing different. They were comparing Topeka's um, competitive league to our rec league. And so, again, some of the numbers got skewed. But, um, yeah, we it, it was important to us to make sure that we actually do our, you know, our, the DeCaba for sure is um, is really popular. And, um, you know, we, we have a lot of participation. So that's exciting. And we work with groups all the time. And uh, there's some other opportunities for partnering. So. CIP, which will be a, a draft presented tomorrow night. And so the shelter, I think, uh, one of the commissioners, either last meeting or a couple of meetings ago, said, Lions Park, well, you know, the shelter fell out. Shouldn't that have been just one big project that you do the splash pad and you do the shelter and uh, you do uh, the playground? Shouldn't that be a package too? You just don't all the card it. Well, that one didn't score well, so the park didn't get it. Which goes to your point of we got to fix up parking lot on the north side. Um, I think that ties to um, some of these other projects that we're looking at. But um, anyway, I did want to get um, something that um, was brought up, and it's mainly for a board discussion. I hadn't had a chance to run it by uh, John. Um, but coming out of COVID, and it's not mandatory that uh, members attend in person, but it might be something that uh, the board may want to discuss or entertain would be, and maybe it's once a quarter, maybe it's once every six months, have a meeting where we try to get all the board members in one room. And if you can't make it, you can't make it, but that is for the discussion if you're interested in engaging in that discussion as a board. I'm sorry I didn't. <laughs> We'll always continue to do Zoom for the public and for member board members that can't make it. But would it be something the board would be interested in um, of having an in-person meeting where possible, maybe once, twice, or four times a year? With whom? With the local chat that in the room rather than on Zoom. Oh. But that's a board question and not my thing. Yeah, I mean, they're here, but they're... And I know there's been times, John, that you may even see where you're wanting to interject and conversations here and you're up there and it's, you know. You know what else? I think that's huge. I'm a people person. And there's times that when I was on conference calls and there were a lot of them, I didn't get to see the dynamics of guys, people's eyes on how you on how you react. And the communication level is so much better in person. It just is because you can see body language and I can whisper and ask me the question and not where this is, or but yeah, I think that's huge for people. People, and not that exact topic, but do we not have a member who's not participating? And what what's the policy on that? Is it for an excuse? For an excuse, yes, and then it's basically a termination of them. And so, does that process can that process happen, and can we get a replacement? So yeah, we just need to check the attendance, but I think we should push that. This excuse. Now the mayor, I think, fills that spot no And we make suggestions, recommendations to the mayor. Yeah. yeah, that's how it works. Right? Yeah, yeah I can suggest, but I also think that they have their own mind about yeah. what they think is needs to be added. So it's not. I think we could suggest, but not a done deal. Our 
suggestions would be. Yeah. And to me, it's more about getting people to sign up yes. to volunteer. Yeah. That's really what we need to do. And, and yes. what I've asked the board to do is if you know people, have them fill out that, that form that's online that I can send you the link to volunteer. Yeah, if they know there's a vacancy. I mean, I've gotten emails from people before because they knew there was a vacancy. But have we publicized there's a vacancy? No, there isn't a vacancy right now. So. I think it's good to make sure everybody's active because we're all busy and we all miss from time to time and not have a quorum at every meeting. And the most diverse views of the Seems. And we recognize that people will go on vacation and do things. It's just a matter of, hey, I'm going to be gone tonight, but I'll be attending by Zoom, or mm -hmm. I just, I mean, we'll be on a location where I couldn't Zoom even if I wanted to. Um, but the communication is key. Uh, back to Roger and uh, some other people that aren't here tonight did communicate and just say, hey, I'm sorry, I won't be able to make it. Yeah, that, that I'm fine with and keeping it Zoom. <laughs> But if you know, I'm more talking about somebody who's been appointed and doesn't participate. Right. Yeah, there's actually going to be some uh, guidelines. This boards and commissions is going to recommend make some recommendations on that as well. New requirements, or yeah, like require a It'll be like there's going to be an supposed to be an orientation for new board members. Supposed to be like if you miss X amount of meetings, that kind. So we're developing policies as well as our practices, as well as uh, trying to reconfigure. You know, John, why you said that? Keeping the piece that I didn't do because I was six years ago. There's something really big for board members. There was a bus tour. Yeah, somebody took new members around to see everything because now when. When we get talking about Mark talks about this or that, I have to pull up. I just got to come to my head. That's really valuable for new people. And I didn't get it because I didn't have the time. Yeah, we continue to do that. And there have been times. Mark wrote me around. Yeah. yeah. There have been times when we've, we've made a meeting of a bus tour, even just with everybody, just to kind of reorientate them to different pockets of town that you may not be you know, familiar with or go to as well. And we might want to look at doing that this fall. We could all try the new vert ranch. <laughs> I was on there last week. Oh, no. <laughs> we get that out no. And we'll have the EMS standing on. Sam can do it. It'll be all Sam. <laughs> Sam can show us how. We're going to for the vert ranch if you want. Because <laughs> you have to escape to get up to it. Yeah. So, uh, Jackie Becker, I would love for us to work to try to have maybe a quarterly or something. Nothing too demanding to be in person, but I I agree. I think it would be. It's good to see you. It's been a very long time, you know, in person. And so, I mean, it's. Yeah. I would say it's something. If they are working on new guidelines, if it's possible, I I would certainly be in support of that to try maybe a quarterly. If you can make it in person, great. You know. And then tied in with a bus tour too. Why not? <laughs> I also want us want us to think about as we think about the composition of the board. Um, you know, I'm into this health department thing. I'd really like to see a member of the actually a staff person from the health department be on our board. <laughs> Uh, you know, we just got to try to make more connections there. It just doesn't make sense to be 
we're so separate now, you know, and it's just an organizational thing. You know, it's not a... But, you know, John, when you came on, you brought on a piece that was huge, I thought, three years ago, was it? You brought the city government piece on. You've been on the commission, you've been on the mayor. And I told my wife the first night we got home, you think different because you've been in that. And if you look at all of us, Maryland was one of the, I think we came on together. I'm not sure. You might have been before me, but. But we all have different interests, and that's what makes a good committee. If we all thought the same way, we get nothing done. But you bring a piece that I never thought of, and it's made me think differently. I bring the athletic piece because I don't, I, not real smart in the arts and culture, which I'm not afraid, but I want to learn. Yeah, but I think, you know, more diversity we have from pieces, the better it is for the community. So is there an agenda item that we need to consider? We can bring it up as for the next meeting, I bet, and then have a vote. And if you, are, if you just want to plan something informally, um, for quarterly, you could pick the last month, just a suggestion of the quarter. So next quarter would be September, and then the next quarter after that would be December. So maybe it's the last quarter, which would also, Roger, when they bring on a new board member, won't be in December, will be January. In January. So they wouldn't be here 31st, December. right? Okay, yeah. And sometimes it even lies because they don't get appointed. But I don't think that's going to, well, because when do they switch mayor? Do they switch it the first of the year now? See, I thought they changed it though to December on the mayor. I thought in they December. Yeah, it's yeah. in December. Yeah, so that hopefully that person will appoint board members shortly. I mean, again, it gets a little bit dicey. Yeah, well, yeah, right. It depends on who's going out and who's coming in and how that, yeah. So, so vacancies are just held open until until they the time of year when they well they, no yeah exactly it's at the will of the mayor there have been we've had vacancies that have lasted five six months before so it's it gets to be a little tricky when we had the five person board it got really tricky to make sure we had a quorum every time so. So, John, it's your call with for the boards, whatever you'd like to do. We could have a discussion in July or August. This is our month. Yeah. Somebody must start vacationing. I don't know. What would our topic be specifically? What would be? What would we be? Or, yes, if there's a consensus, you all want to be here in person, you just all show up in person that selected month of the quarter. If you think that so, a quarterly, um, like a requirement, every quarter we designate a meeting where we want everybody to be in person. Preferred, preferred, oh, preferred. Yeah, oh, okay. way to do it would be to Marilyn Holder. Another way to do it would be to um, plan the agendas uh, so that. If there's something that really requires a meaty board discussion, oh. it would be good to have the, the, the line. I don't know if you can require it though, because things come up. I mean, oh, yeah, people have it's, it's, it's I didn't know until that day. Right. I just can't have it. So. Uh, and, well, and then we do have Zoom. So, I mean, some folks, I know we're traveling and things that they drive right. on Zoom would be a part of the meeting. 
So that's kind of the purpose. Yeah. It's more about highly encouraged. Maybe right. this meeting, if you can, try to make it. You yeah. That day. Have snacks. John, that was a good one. Yeah. I remember six years ago, we only had five board members right. when we started, when I was on. And when yeah. it went to nine, because there were times we didn't have a board. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I don't see any problem with no, encouraging people to come yeah. in person. Yeah, I can. I can. People that are too. Yeah, why don't I? I can distract them with something, or you can send it out to the board members. And Roger can send it out, or something. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, anything else there? Yeah. Okay. Um, next meeting, August fourteenth. And uh, motion to adjourn. I move we adjourn. Marilyn Hall, I move we adjourn. Jackie Becker, I second. Okay. Any objections? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.